Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Dave Somerville. How are you doing, Dave? Happy to be here as always. Looking forward to another week of the NFL and the return of the Rams. Yeah, so week seven is in the books. And we've got plenty of talking points. So we're going to have a recap of week seven. Then we're going to do a rapid fire week eight preview. And of course, we'll finish with random stats. So we're going to start straight away, Dave, with the Thursday night game. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, New Orleans Saints at State Farm Stadium. And it was a high scoring affair. The Cardinals come away with a 42 to 34 victory. What did you make of this game, Dave? I mean, it was an exciting game. Um, I think Andy Dalton turned into three years ago Jameis Winston with some of his plays. He was either throwing bombs and making amazing plays or just throwing really bad picks, which he really shouldn't have been doing. um, His stats probably speak for itself in that uh, 30 of 47 for 361 yards, four touchdowns. But three picks to go with it as well. It was they just kind of abandoned the run game to the Saints in that game. Alvin Kamara got three, uh, eleven carries for forty nine yards, but uh, he almost got as many receptions as he did carries. So he had seven receptions for fifty six yards. But um, a few, a, a good few deep balls from Andy Dalton really bump, bumping up the yardage. Um, Shahid. Uh, Rashid Shahid, I should say. Uh, he's a wide, wide receiver for the Saints. He had the massive touchdown for 53 yards. And also, we did have Kevin White, who is a, receive, a wide receiver as well for the Saints, who had one reception for 64 yards. But I think the, not, the star not, of the offense... Not a bad average, is it? Not <laughs> a bad average at all. But I think the star of the offense for me was really Chris Lave. Seven receptions, 106 yards. He didn't get a touchdown, but he made some brilliant catches from fantastic plays. Uh, but he was probably my player of the game for them. And, you know, Taysom Hill coming in, he, he ru- rushed three carries for nine yards, one reception for three yards and a touchdown, but also two throws, uh, two of two for 48 yards as well, getting his piece in. But, uh, yeah, the Cardinals were just kind of slow and steady. Kyler didn't throw that much. Um, 20 of 29, 204 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, the 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 Saints kind of kept him quiet enough, relatively quiet. But what they couldn't do was stop the run game. And Eno Benjamin, he was he was fantastic. Twelve carries, ninety two yards, a couple of big breaks there, and he also got a touchdown. Yeah, and also welcome back DeAndre Hopkins. Ten receptions for one hundred and three yards. Hopkins season really kick starting now. So yeah, the Cardinals come with the win. Saints, they left it. I mean, they just kind of self-annihilated themselves in the second quarter. They gave up 25 points in the second quarter. That's massive. And the Saints, they they got 17 points back in the fourth quarter. Just left themselves too much to do, I suppose. They did indeed. And you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins coming back then. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously they've missed him for the first six weeks. They're three and four now, the Cardinals, and back at full strength. As far, or as full strength as they can be without any any further injuries. So it's going to be looking good for the Cardinals going forward. Uh, the Saints, they battled hard, but they just couldn't get it done. So we then move on to the next game, and we come to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Atlanta Falcons at Paycor Stadium. And the Bengals just ran away with this one. Uh, despite a, a second-quarter rally from the Falcons, the Bengals never really looked in danger of losing this one. Uh, Joe Burrow absolutely loved Lighting it up, and they come away with a thirty-five to seventeen victory. Uh, what did you see in this one, Dave? Joe Burrow looks good, doesn't he? Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow of last season now, and he see he seemed to get get decent um, protection as well. But I think 
the game went pretty much the way we thought it was going to. The, the Falcons, the, their total passing yards was 107. That, that's not going to win you anything. Right? It, it might win you like a wooden spoon, but apart from that, it's not going to do much else for you. 459 total passing yards. Uh, the Falcons had equal passing and rushing yards, and it wasn't much. It was 107 on each. So kind of Falcons doing Falcons things. They look good. They've been looking good the last couple of weeks. Um, they they took down the 49ers. They narrowly lost to the Buccaneers, beat the Browns, beat the Seahawks, and then they turned into their old selves again against the Bengals. And yeah, that that the the damage was done at half to, by half time. But at the same time, the Bengals shut out the Falcons in the second half. Not the second quarter, the second half. Joe Burrow ran in for that for that touchdown run in the third quarter. But apart from that, the game was over. Both teams were just kind of uh, relaxing at that point. Well, I don't think the Falcons were. They were just kind of more errors. But um, yeah, Joe Burrow, star of the show, 100%. Jamar Chase got, got two touchdowns as well. Evan McPherson was spot on from, from the kicking. You know, it was just... Business as usual for the Bengals and sadly for the Falcons, business as usual. Yeah, I think the Falcons are really, really missing Cordell Patterson in that offense. Yes. They, they, without him being that sort of X factor, they really don't seem to be able to get much done. Um, so uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long Patterson is actually listed as out for, but the Falcons could definitely use him back. Uh, so we then move on to the next game. I went at the Bank of America Stadium, where the Carolina Panthers were taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Panthers, Dave, you know, they're down to their third string quarterback. They Treated away their best weapon in Christian McCaffrey. They also treated away their best wide receiver in, in Robbie Anderson. So what do they do? They absolutely put it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty-one to three. It was a defensive struggle uh, for most of the almost the entire first half, especially. And the Panthers finally came good. They scored a touchdown in the second, third, and fourth quarters. The Buccaneers could do nothing, barring a field goal in the fourth. And Dave put it to you i mean wh- what did you think of this the i don't think anyone saw this one coming N- no um but i think at the same time it's probably the funniest scoreline of the year so far <laughs> uh, it, it was just it was hilarious to tom brady it i mean the, this this is what he came back into the league for clearly was to get no no touchdowns uh, on in in the passing game, no touchdowns in the rushing game, and left it till the very end, basically to get a field goal. They just he didn't he just they just couldn't get anything done at the vital times. Um, oh, look, just looking at some of the stats. So on third third down efficiency, the Bucks had twelve uh, third downs and they converted two of them. Now they went for four uh, three times on fourth down and they only converted one. So giving the Panthers the ball but straight back. Brady only went down once, so I was. I'm just. I'm just I, I don't know exactly what happened. They did. They basically abandoned the running game again. Did the Bucks? Um, was it Reggie White? Was there uh, Rashad White? Sorry, Rashad uh, White. their yeah, their their sort of second string running back. He got six carries for twenty four yards, and that was their biggest rusher because Leonard Fournette got eight carries for nineteen yards. That averages two point four yards a carry. That was just horrible to watch. Um, Mike Evans got a good few receptions. He was kind of Brady's go-to along with Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin for the kind of short throws. Uh, he got seven receptions for 43 yards. Mike Evans, nine receptions, 96 yards. Apart from that, can you think of anything that kind of the Bucks managed to light up? Because I can't. I'm struggling. And, you know, they, the defense 
they didn't do terrible. Just the Panthers were consistent, and um, they managed to get the wrong the wrong game going. Deontay Foreman just lit up time and time again. Fifteen carries for one hundred eighteen yards. He didn't get a touchdown, but he left that to the uh, the other running back, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, is that his name? I can't. That's a brilliant name if it is. I but, think, uh, I think nine, they're, say, they're saying Chuba Hubbard, but it's Chuba Hubbard. It's I, Chuba. Chuba. I Hubbard. like Chuba. Yes, yeah, nine carries, nine carries, sixty-three yards, and a touchdown. DJ Moore, fantastic target as always. Seven receptions for sixty-nine yards, one touchdown. It was just uh, the the only the only person I really highlighted was uh, Dante Jackson, the cornerback for the Panthers. He had ten tackles in the game and. You know when he when the ball was going in his direction, it wasn't always great in the coverage, but he managed to stop that extra yardage, which might have helped the Bucks in the end. But three points, no wonder Brady looks half dead these days. If he if that's what's going to happen to the Buccaneers, I I, I would be I would be half dead as well. I would I would be looking as bad as he does. But the um, thing, yeah, yeah, the thing that I noticed that I mean Brady, right, everyone remembers the the drop by Mike Evans and that deep oh. pass early on, <laughs> but. Um, and you'd look at that and say, well, you know, Tom Brady needs a bit of help from his receivers. That was pretty much one of only two passes that Tom Brady threw the hit receivers in the hands. He was yeah. skying passes. He was throwing them into the dirt. Again, constantly underthrowing his receivers. And he was yeah. only sacked. He wasn't pressured that much. He was only sacked once in the game. He was hit mm-hmm. a couple of times. But uh, Tom Brady just not getting it done. And uh, the Panthers come away with a surprising win, a very emphatic win for them. So we then move on to M&T Bank Stadium, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns. And this one looked like it was going to get uh, tied up. It was two minutes and eight seconds to go. Um, and... The Cleveland Browns committed a false start penalty, moved them back to a 60-yard field goal attempt by Cade York. It was blocked, and the Ravens were able to run out the clock for a 23-20 victory in front of 70,461 fans. So, Dave, I mean, what did you make of this one? The Browns lose another one, but it was a lot closer than most people thought it would be. I mean, you know, going into the fourth quarter, it was 20 points to 13 to the Ravens. Now, I thought, at this point, it's going to happen again. They're going to do it again. They're yeah, going to I thought that. Lead. They're, I thought they're that going to do too. it again. Yeah, they're going to do it again. And then, you know, they were lining up for the field goal, um, but they managed to block it. They managed to literally scrape over the line. Lamar Jackson didn't look great. Uh, what was my kind of takeaway from this? Uh, he, he barely threw the ball. 9 of 16 for 120 yards. Um, they, they ran the ball a lot more than they threw it, um, which really kind of hurts the, the scoreline for me. Um, he, he, got to, he did also have to 10 rushes for 59 yards, but uh, they trusted Gus Edwards, their uh, running back, quite a lot. 16 carries for 66 yards, two touchdowns. So he, he accounted for uh, 12 of their 23 points. I mean, it was mostly the defense of the Ravens that kept them in it. Jacoby Brissett, uh, on the other hand, 22 or 27, 258 yards. He was pretty average. He made some decent throws. He tar- liked, liked targeting David and Joku quite a lot, is what I've seen. Um, some was, well, he, he, I mean, 22 or 27 is good for a quarterback. He just didn't get that many. But they went back to the running game after I criticized them last week. Uh, Nick Chubb, 16 carries and 91 yards and a touchdown. That was decent as well. But yeah, Mark Cooper, big, uh, a couple of big plays, three receptions, 74 yards. 
And also coming off the back of that game, rumours about Kareem Hunt uh, could be traded and the price for Kareem Hunt could be a fourth round pick. Oh, so a I fourth think, round pick. Yeah. My goodness. That. Now, I mean, Amari Cooper essentially went for a fifth, didn't he? Because did they not like trade, did they not swap um, third rounders with the Cowboys and a fifth? For Amari yeah, Cooper, it was, yeah, something I, like that. Yeah. yeah, I forget exactly what it was. Amari Cooper's worth every penny of that trade. That's that's a trade the, the Browns won. They won that trade. My oh, goodness, a million, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, they just couldn't get it done in the end, and it looks like the uh, the Ravens come away with a win there. So then we move on to the next game, and it's the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts at Nissan Stadium, and the Titans came away with a nineteen to ten victory. This was another game, Dave, but it never really looked close. Despite a third quarter rally by the Colts, the Titans were up thirteen to nothing at halftime and never really looked uh, like relinquishing it um, and uh, Andrew Adams with a 76 yard pick 6 for the Titans and he's looked really good and Andrew Adams this is Titans defence Steve um, what do you make of this Titans defence because it, it's starting to look like a much better defence than it has even you know compared to last year the year before I think this, this Titans defence is doing something whereas the offence doesn't seem to be gaining the type of momentum that it has had in the last couple of years what's your thoughts? You've got some of the sort of cornerstones of, of that strong defense there, anyway. Um, you know, safety Kevin Birds. He, he's uh, he's one of my favorites in the league. I think he's one of the best safeties in the league as well. Um, you can't really forget about Amani Hooker. He's he's fantastic as well. But yes, I think Andrew Adams was kind of the star of the the game as well. He he had a good few tackles. Yeah, obviously had his pick. Um, yeah, the, the Titans base everything out. They, they're good. They, they would make a good team for Bill Belichick to coach because they're scrappy. They're really good in defense and they'll just they'll run the ball uh, on offense and they'll just t- they'll basically challenge you on defense. Just beat you've got to beat us. You know, we're not going to let you have anything. You have to beat us. And the Colts found that to their cost because they only could up, rack up 10 points. They all came in the second half. And Matt Ryan, who was picked off twice in the game, he did throw one touchdown, he was picked off twice in the game, has now been benched, which is not something I saw coming at the start of the season anyway, but he we're halfway through the season, and Matt Ryan, who has a pretty big contract, is now being benched. So we, we, did, we did see um, the return of the running back, Taylor. Um, however... I don't think he did much. Well, yeah, he got 10 catches, 58 yards, but they just threw the ball and they they were just, they didn't do enough, I'm afraid. They kept targeting um, the same guys, uh, Campbell and maybe um, Naheem Hines, they kept targeted a few times as well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, yeah, a few receptions. But I think what you were saying about the Titans defense, yeah, they, it, they really put it to the Colts and they made the Colts work for every yard that they gained and obviously picked off Matt Ryan twice, which is now lost him his starting spot I'm very surprised that Matt Ryan has been benched I don't think anything that's happened there is his fault and I think the Colts are going to be worse because of it now I, I could be wrong but I'm just I was actually shocked when I saw the Matt Ryan have been benched but he has, and, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what happens now. So moving on, we then come to the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. And although the scoreline so says that the Cowboys just hammered the Lions in this on 24-6, to if you watch the game, it was a lot closer than that. It was just costly mistakes by the Lions. 
uh, including a goal line fumble uh, that yeah. the Cowboys were then able to drive the ball all the way down the field for about 99.9 yards and score a touchdown. And it was just, it was painful to watch uh, from a Lions fan's point of view, I'm sure. And what can you say about Detroit? I'm... They came into the season with a lot of hype purely because of hard knocks, Dan Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they just they seem to be sort of petering out at, at the wrong time in these games. They're one and five now. Do you think it can get better for these Lions? Uh, and with regards to the Cowboys, you know, they're five and two. They might be looking dangerous again when Dak's back. Well, from the Lions' point of view, I think the. <laughs> how can I put this in a nice way? Um, for, well, just in the entirety of the game, the amount of fumbles between the two teams was just, it was comical at times. It, it was really, really hard to watch. Jamal Williams, out running back for the Lions, came into the game with one career fumble, but he fumbled twice in this game. Mm. It was just, that, that, that's, that's heavy. But, uh, you know, so, some of the things that I took away from it... Um, the officials did not have their best game in it, um, and the you know the Lions were pretty much on the short end of that. There's a few bad calls against the Lions that should never have been uh, calls. So um, a, a couple of very questionable decisions. But Jared Goff, his his interceptions were really bad. It they they were just why he threw it. He just as soon as he was pressured, he panicked and started throwing it. And you know the the Cowboys were there pick it off. Um, welcome back, Dak as well. Um, you know he was fairly decent. He, he didn't make any big errors. He threw for a touchdown, nineteen or twenty-five. It wasn't kind of ex- as exciting as Cooper Rush, maybe. Um, but the high, the highlight in the Cowboys' offense for me was Tony Pollard. He was just a consistent, great runner for them. Uh, I think CD Lamb, if I remember rightly, had uh, at least one big catch. Um, for the Lions, well, TJ Hawkinson made a good a good few receptions. On defense, they just they kept going in the direction of Jeff, Jeff Okuda, who we were raving about a few weeks ago. You know how how good he played, yeah. um, and they just he, I think he made twelve tackles in the game, and that's that's huge. And it's, it's um, too many for our defensive back. It is, and the thing is, though, it wasn't. They weren't all those tackles weren't coming from necessarily him being targeted they were just he was around in the area there's a couple missed tackles that then led him to coming in you know and it's kind of second wave um but it was happening too much in hutchinson did look good up front though um he got two sacks i think there was there was a video of him uh trying to um kind of bull rush or bulldoze over one of the offensive linemen of the cowboys and the cowboy offensive lineman just went nope a wee a wee shimmy to the side and launched him like something you would see in the WWE. So that was quite entertaining for the Lions. But yeah, I think they're back in trouble. I think they're going to be a top five pick again. And I'm worried for Dan Campbell. I don't think Dan Campbell is going to be there next season at this rate. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm sort of torn in the whole Dan Campbell thing. I think he will be. I think, um, I, I think he's well liked in the locker room. I think the uh, owner and general manager get on well with him. I think that people will understand. I mean, that's that's not a beat around the bush here. It's the Detroit Lions. No one expected them to come into this season and be perennial playoff contenders. So losing five games at the moment, I think even if they lose as many as 10 or 11 games, I think he may still be there. Those 
fumbles though. Oh my yeah. goodness, they're, they're crippling. That's something that Detroit will need to sort out in the coming weeks. Did, did you see what he said after the game though? He said that if you can't hold on to the ball, you won't be here. I that, think that was a yeah. that was a bit of an emotional statement more than maybe he definitely meant that in regards to Jamal Williams. But, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't see Jamal Williams being ditched by the by the Lions. I mean, they, they do have. I mean, you know, DeAndre Swift is a great runner. We know yeah. this. Um, you need two running backs, as we've already seen, because of injuries. You've got to have two running backs. It's it's too easy. One guy goes down, you need a second guy there. I don't think Jamal Williams will be going anywhere. I think Dan Campbell will survive the season. I hope he does, for his own sake. Uh, speaking yeah. of um, people, you know, saying things uh, just because of uh, emotion, Washington Commanders, Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field, and you called it, Dave? You called it. Washington Commanders come away with a 23-21 victory. Matt LeFleur was having kittens on the sideline. He was screaming and bawling at everybody. Aaron Rodgers comes out after the game and says that people just can't play and can't catch and they don't deserve to be there. And Oh my goodness, it's, it's a mess. I have no idea what's going on in Green Bay, but you cannot make excuses that... Uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the weapons. You can't do that because the Washington Commanders, if you look at the weapons that they have, that Taylor Heineke has, and you look at Terry McLaurin, absolutely great player, Mm -hmm. but you've got guys like J.D. McKissick, Armani Rodgers, you know, Cam Sims. Uh, don't don't talk to don't talk to Taylor Heineke about weapons, Aaron. So, um, what did you think, Dave? It was a heck of a result for Washington. Yes, it was, but I think the pack. It, it was more the Packers shot themselves in the foot rather than the Commanders won the game. Um, I did, the, the Packers they just well a part, key part of their entire offense is to run the ball. They ran twelve times in this game for thirty eight yards. That's shocking, and it, it. Rogers made a few questionable decisions. I'll, I'll, I say a few. He, he he just was off target a lot in this game. Twenty three or thirty five, one hundred ninety four yards and two touchdowns. Now, one hundred ninety four yards is what I would be focusing on because when was the last time Aaron Rodgers was in a game complete, a, a full game, and he didn't throw for two hundred yards? I can't remember the last time. It, but have it must have no been idea. blown out. Yeah, I mean. I mean He's got receivers there. He's got Alan Lazard. He's got Sammy Watkins, Robert Tonyan at tight end. You know, he's he's got people there, and it just wasn't. He, I mean, he threw at, to Aaron Jones. Uh, for well, he had nine receptions. Aaron Jones for fifty three uh, yards. Aaron Jones had eight carries in the game. He's a running back. He was uh, targeted more than he got the the ball handed to him. The Packers did not run the game. Their scores, they, they just kind of spread out. First quarter, one touchdown. Second quarter, one touchdown. Fourth quarter, one touchdown. But the 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 thing is, though, one of the touchdowns was Devondre Campbell returning it for a touchdown on defense. So the defense tried to bail Aaron Rodgers out. Packers turning into the Bucks and the Patriots over the last decade. But, yeah, the Packers... I mean, don't take nothing wrong, uh, away from Taylor Heineke. He had 20 carries for 33 yards, 201 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a couple runs, not for much, but he looked pretty solid. He looked better than Carson Wentz anyway. And the the thing on offense, the commanders were able to run the ball, as you do. 
30 carries between um Brian Robson uh, Brian Robson Brian Robinson and um Antonio Gibson and they mustered up 132 yards. So that's all right. That that's a decent run game. Scary Terry was there five receptions for 73 yards and a TD. They they turned up. They did enough against a Packers team that should have whitewashed the Commanders, let alone um losing to them, but yeah, I'm I'm worried for Packers fans. But they just forgot about their entire, well, what should have been their entire game plan, their entire strengths altogether, and the penalties as well in that game. Just constant penalties uh, for the pack, nine for the Packers, seven for the Commanders. You know, it was a stop and start game, and the flag was out more than the Packers were running. So there you go. That that kind of sums up the game in one. But yeah, it was um, the command. The Commanders ran. Uh, they ran the clock down really well. They had seventy-two total plays in that game compared to the Packers' forty-seven. So well done to the Commanders. They put the Packers on the sword. And Aaron Rodgers, what a shame! Couldn't happen to a, a nicer, normal quarterback in the league. <laughs> now the Packers have lost three in a row. They've lost they to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders. <laughs> um, That's. Uh, yeah, I know. So but pre-season, they'd look at those three games and say, oh, that's three wins. And they would mm-hmm. have done. They would have looked at that yeah. and said, that's three wins right there. They have lost these three games. There's definite trouble in Packerland. Um, so we then move on. Speaking of the New York Giants, they were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars at TIAA Bank Stadium. And the Giants come away with a win, 23-17. It did go pretty much down to the wire. The Jaguars looked like they might have had a chance of pulling something out at the last minute. Didn't quite work out. And uh, Daniel Jones, he was fine. Daniel Jones was fine, did his thing. He had over 100 yards rushing in the game. So you go on Barkley once again, also with 100 yards rushing. And the Jaguars, Dave, I want to talk to you just before, just before I put it over to you. The, ja- mm. the Jacksonville Jaguars, over the course of this season, since probably week three, I'm going to say, have been sort of phasing out James Robinson in favour of Travis Etienne. And yes. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know why they did that. Because James Robinson was producing. James Robinson is a very good running back. And James Robinson has been traded for a conditional fifth round pick, I believe it was, for James yeah, Robinson. Um, I think I, it, yeah. just that is the the Jaguars lost that trade horrendously. Um, if anything happens to Travis Etienne, they're going to be in trouble. Serious trouble because James yeah. Robinson, I actually think, was performing better than Etienne, but they've been just gradually giving Etienne more and more carries, giving James Robinson fewer and fewer carries, and now he's out of the building. So, Dave, we'll put it to you. Did you watch this game? I mean, what did you think of it? Uh, the Giants are six and one. Giants are six and one. I was, I was, I was watching this game as best as I could, but. Uh, I, I've I've got a little note here that I made about James Robinson because I'm glad you brought it up because I want to talk about him. Now, in his first two seasons, he had 1,837 rushing yards and 15 TDs, right? So that he's the fourth undrafted free agent in NFL history to have over 1,000 rushing yards in his rookie season, okay? He's only 24 years old and he's been shipped out by the Jags because I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I don't know... What what what's a fifth a fifth pick fifth round pick that could it's a conditional fifth round pick that could rise to a fourth I think 
Now, I don't see why the Jags have done this. They have literally just ruined their run game. I, I think they've, you know, what if anything happens to Etienne, which yeah. we which yeah. we know, it, it, he, I mean, he's he's just come off what, what was almost a, a career-ending injury. He could have quite easily ended his career at that point. But they rushed for 14 times in the game for 114 yards, did Travis Etienne, right? So that that's yeah. that's really good, yeah? Anything happens to him, their run game is gone, kaput, annihilated, right? Now, they relied a lot on Trevor Lawrence in this game. And when I say relied, they just gave the ball to him and hoped for the best. Now, Trevor Lawrence... He, threw, he had a couple big plays. He was 22 of 43 for 310 yards. That's just barely 50% on, on uh, throwing. Now, that, that's, that's not really okay. But I think he was forced into that because of the play calling by the Jags. Um, Christian Kirk, obviously, is number one uh, target. Seven receptions for 96 yards. But Lord, he, did, he didn't throw for a touchdown. He ran in for one. Fair enough. And uh, Etienne got in for one as well. But apart from... Apart from that, he didn't. They didn't really do what they needed to do. They fumbled the ball as well. Um, the Jags' offensive line were really good. I thought they were really good anyway. They didn't allow any sacks. Um, they kept going for it in fourth down, which I quite liked that. Um, two of four in fourth down, three hundred ten passing yards, one hundred forty-two rushing yards. But they just couldn't get it done at the vital times. And I think it, I don't know was that the Jags or the Giants stopping them at the vital times, but. The speed that was shown by the number one, by the round one pick, uh, on Thibodeau, was immense. When they, you know, there was a big run by Etienne. He ran after him. A, he's a big, he's a big man. He's probably about 250, 260 pounds, and he chased him down, and he did it fantastic. It was brilliant. I loved that play. But um, yeah, it was. I think the Giants were able to uh, to execute their game plan. They rushed for two hundred, well over two hundred yards. He passed for 200 yards as well with Daniel Jones. Um, and like I said, Daniel Jones was brilliant. One, one touchdown in the air, one on his feet, uh, 200 yards throwing, 100 yards rushing. Barkley, another 100-yard game. Yeah, the Giants. The, the Jags looked like they should have made it a bit more exciting, but they didn't. And I caught a couple of Hail Marys at the end. That was it. Game over. Giants take away the win. Giants somehow are 6-1. and one. No one saw this coming. We didn't see this coming. But they've done it, and they, it was the fourth yeah. quarter where they really got it done. And uh, next week, the Giants are taking on the Seattle Seahawks, so we'll see if they can That'll possibly stretch it yeah. to 7-1. My goodness. We then move over to Allegiant Stadium, where the Las Vegas Raiders, coming off their bye week, are facing the Houston Texans. The Raiders took care of business. They won this one 38-20. The Texans, it was 10-all at, at halftime. The Texans were actually leading uh, in the third quarter. In that fourth, the Raiders just went away with it. Josh Jacobs had three touchdown runs in this game and it was capped off with 3.26 to go with Jerron Harmon, 73-yard interception return. And the Raiders walk away with a 38-20 win. They've got their second win of the season. They're got to be feeling a bit better about themselves uh what do you think what do you make of the readers here dave what do you think's uh gonna be going on going forward to this one I, again this game it was close early on but then they just they went away with it in that fourth quarter there i think they're turning to the afc equivalent of the 49ers because they've got their star wide receiver who's been paid and they're just not quite performing as what they should be um 
But yeah, they, it was too close for comfort for a long time before that fourth quarter meltdown by the Texans. Um, Davis Mills, he played relatively all right, except from that one, that one interception. Oh, that was a bad uh, it, it was a bad one, yeah. in fairness. Up, up until that point, he had been playing pretty com- competently. He had two touchdowns as well, 28-41 for 302 yards. Um, I, I do really like Damon Pierce, uh, the rookie running back for the Texans. I, I think he's, he could be a potential um, top running back in the future. Apart from that, um, yeah, Brandon Cooks for the Texans offense, 446. That's about all you can really say. They had a few, a few other receptions across the board. There's a lot of trade rumors for Brandon Cooks, and I still think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league is Brandon Cooks. He left the Rams. I was gutted about that. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of trade rumors around him as well, so watch this space. Josh Jacobs, like you said, though, got it done. Uh, Carr was okay. He's in not many deep throws. Uh, he can't stop targeting Devontae Adams. Obviously, um, you know, if you give him a little bit of space, he's going to be able to catch that. Eight receptions for 95 yards in the game. No touchdowns, but, I mean, like you said, Josh Jacobs. Who needs Devontae Adams when you've got Josh Jacobs there? And they haven't picked up the fifth-year option, which I think is criminal. I, I, I was really yeah. surprised about that. If, I'm if, really, they really don't, surprised. if they don't re-sign Josh Jacobs, there's something wrong with that organization. Now we, we know we, we, we always, knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say we know yeah. there's something wrong with this organization. Yes, but if this is not an absolute slam dunk, get this deal done to keep this guy here, then I don't know what is. Josh Jacobs makes this team so much better when he's healthy. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't pick up that uh, fifth year option on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Raiders come away with a win there, and then we're going to move on to the next game. <laughs> New York Jets <laughs> and the Denver Broncos. And I said last week that the Jets would win this one 13-9 because I had no faith in this Broncos offense, but I had a lot of faith in the Broncos defense. Mm-hmm. And it was 13-9 until 4.35 in the fourth quarter when Greg Zerline uh, kicked his third field goal of the day to put the Jets up 16-9. Uh, now, I'm not going to rant, okay? I'm not. Because at this point, Dave, I'm I, I'm disappointed more than anything else. Wow. I, I'm the just, parent. The, the parent, the disappointed parent has I, come out. It's just, it's so hard to watch this team play. This Denver Broncos team is awful. And there can be no doubt now because Brett Rippon was the starting quarterback mm-hmm. for the Broncos. There is no doubt that Nathaniel Hackett hasn't got a clue how to call plays in the NFL. If anyone thought it's Russell Wilson, no. It wasn't Russell Wilson. It, it just wasn't. Uh, don't get me wrong. Wilson has not played well. Yeah. He, I, and he really hasn't. But these losses have been almost entirely on the coaches. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a couple of scenarios here, okay. uh, Dave. Just, just, just a couple of scenarios. So, yeah. the Denver Broncos once again struggled on third down and decisions on third down and fourth down. And they, they had third and six on, on their own 43-yard line. 
and they threw a five-yard pass to Cortland Sutton. Now, do you remember last last year when we were watching the Broncos and I'd said to you, Pat Shermer always manages to dial up plays that are one or two yards shy of the first down marker. Yes. Yeah. You um, said that in preseason as well. I yes. said that in preseason. Yeah, I was like, I'm yeah. so glad Pat Sherman is no longer there because what happens is, no matter what the down and di- no matter what the distance is, it could be if it's third and ten, he'll he'll run an eight yard route. If it's third and seven, it'll be a six yard. If it's third and one, he'll throw it behind the line of scrimmage. And you're just thinking, what are you doing? Why in God's name are you doing this? Now, Denver on first quarter, first and ten, Melvin Gordon, right end for six yards. Second and four, Melvin Gordon, right for one yard. Third and three, shotgun, pass, incomplete, punt. Now, you think, oh, that's not so good. Yeah, this happened so many times mm-hmm. that I, I just, I, I've got no idea what they're thinking. I don't know where these play calls are coming from, but they keep running, you got a four-yard run, a five-yard run, and then in third and short, shotgun pass. And I don't know what they're thinking and on why they're doing this. Now, I am going to talk about the Jets. I, I'm going to talk about the Jets. I'm not going to... I said I wasn't going to rant, and I'm not going to rant, okay? Mm-hmm. But, uh, Sauce Gardner, right, <laughs> apparently, just he's just allowed to hold people and uh, he literally horse-collared Cortland Sutton on the last play, play for the Broncos in yeah, the end zone, that. and a flag wasn't thrown. If Sutton had had the ball, that would have been a flag. If he'd been carrying the ball, that would have been a flag. You're not allowed to horse-collar someone. It's against the rules. He did it when the ball was in the air, and you know what? There's no flag. Okay, that, that's, one, that, that's, that's one play. That's one if, that play. Was the, if that was the box, though, he would be uh, Sauce Gardner would be in jail. Oh, of course he would. Of <laughs> yeah, course he would. Now, 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 here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, Dave. Right. So, uh, the Denver Broncos, fourth and three, with two minutes to go, attempted yeah. a pass deep into the end zone on fourth Saw and three. This. Yeah. And you're thinking, why are you throwing Greg Dulcich? Now, I'm kind of half putting this on Rippon the quarterback, because he threw the pass. Greg Dulcich was open, short. He could have got the first down. Rippon never looked at him. This was a play designed to go to Sutton all day long. All day long. That's right. As soon as the ball was snapped, he was looking at Cortland Sutton. He wasn't looking for anyone else. Now, I don't think that Brett Rippon decided he was going to do this I think he was told to do this. And you're just, you're just sitting there going, why would you throw that pass? Now, as I say, it's not... Rippon didn't even look at us. He never looked at him. This is not mm. the same as the Russell Wilson the week before staring at his tight end and then deciding not to throw at him or throwing it into double coverage. This is not the same. He never looked at him. Soon as that ball comes, he's looking at Sutton the entire way, throws the ball in the end zone, should have been pass interference in the end zone. It wasn't, doesn't matter. Broncos lose the game. Broncos cannot score points. It is like pulling teeth for this team to score points. Now, I'm going to talk about the defense because I'm going to talk about the Jets' offense here. 
The New yeah. York Jets offense, Brees Hall, God love him. Brees Hall uh, was looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. He had four carries, 72 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown was 62 yards long. You okay? Yep. Uh, the Jets finished with 24 yards, 100, uh, 24 carries for 155 yards. Now, uh, through the air, Zach Wilson was 16 of 26 for 121 yards. And one of those passes went for about 40 yards. This defense, this Denver defense, shut them down. And Wilson was like Houdini back there. He was pressured on what looked like every single drop back. He was running for his life. He escaped so many times. I was just jumping up and down, watching this going, why can they not sack him? They get a hand on him. They just can't sack him. And when he finally did get to him, properly he fumbles the ball it's picked up scooped and scored and then the refs are looking at it seeing uh it needs to be reviewed because he might have been down by contact and then you look at it and went oh yeah he might have been so i watched the replay and he puts it he gets knocked over and he puts his left hand down uh, on the ground and he puts his right hand down which has the ball in it onto the ground and the ball starts to come out as soon as his hand with the ball touches the ground the ball starts to come out now he's not down touching the ball down doesn't make him down he's not down by contact and as he's starting to fall over the ball is out and then his elbow hits and then he sort of knocks the ball forward it gets picked up scooped and scored mm-hmm. and then the refs come away and say he's his forearm was down. He's down by contact. Well, it wasn't, so I don't know what you're looking at because the ball was out before his forearm hit and they said, that's it, you know, it's a, it's a sack. He was down by contact. And I'm going, <laughs> but he wasn't. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. I'm just saying that there was some really, really bad calls in this yes. game, but I'm not blaming the refs. Because Nathaniel Hackett is a hack. And it just happens to mark, <laughs> match with his name. And also, he can't hack it. Right? He is oh. the, the, the worst. I said last week, this might be the worst Broncos play calling since Josh McDaniels. I'd said that last week. Yeah. I it think it's might worse. be worse than Josh McDaniels. It might actually be the worst play calling I have ever seen. And I've been following this Broncos team since the Dan Reeves era in the middle 80s. And Dan Reeves loved nothing more than run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. That's what he did. This is worse play calling. It's, it's awful. I, I don't know what they're seeing. I don't know what Hackett's looking at. He needs to go. And if they lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Wembley, I'll be there. I'll be trying to cheer my team on. Not going to be easy. If they lose, they they should just leave him. He should have been sacked after this game. I've said every week he should have been sacked. He should have been sacked after this game. And then, do you know what he said? Do you know what he said in the press conference afterwards? He said... I'm sick of standing up here. I'm tired of standing up here seeing the same things every week. No. 
<laughs> Poop? Nathaniel? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You think you think that the, the people watching this game are enjoying what you're doing every single week? He's saying, I'm tired of doing this. The only person who can change him saying that is him. Nobody else. It's 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 the it's incompetence to a level that I I just cannot fathom. I, I'm trying to remember the last time a team had this much talent. The, because the Bron this Broncos team is loaded, despite the injuries, and there's been a lot of injuries to some key players. But despite that, the people who've come in have stepped up. Javante Williams goes down injured. Your, your number one running back. Yeah. They sign Latavius Murray. Melvin Gordon's playing Latavius Murray, but they both look good. You lose Tim Patrick, who was uh, sort of a 1A receiver next to Cortland Sutton. 1A, we'll call him that. Maybe yeah. even 1B. Not sure how you would, uh, where you would put Tim Patrick. But it doesn't matter. Because you could have Jerry Rice and Randy Moss there. They're not getting the ball because of the quarterback play. The play call is just appalling. Randy Gregory, you trade for Randy Gregory, he goes down. Baron Browning comes in and looks like um, 1986 Lawrence Taylor. Oh, Br Browning is now out for six weeks, by the way. He's injured. He's not even a, he's not even a, uh, a defensive end by trade. No, he's an inside he's, linebacker. He's got, he yeah, gets moved to the outside and he's he's got like uh, success rates, like win rates, pass rushing that haven't been seen since the, like... Honestly, the days of Lawrence Taylor and Derek Thomas and Reggie White. He's putting up numbers that Hall of Famers are putting up, and now he's injured. And he's an inside linebacker. But the thing is that, that, that this absolute, just the, the worst, most vapid, just mindless play calling that you get from this team and then for their head coach, the man who calls the plays, to come up and say, I'm tired of saying these things. Well, do you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of you saying these it. things as well. Yeah. And I'm tired yeah, of watching it. this. Yeah. yeah. Watching this on the field week after week after week. Uh, on week one, after week one, that game against Seattle, when you've got your third throw and you're throwing past, you're like, why are you? Run the ball. There you go, just mm -hmm. run the ball. You, you're, you're, you're running for four yards a carry, five yards a carry. At the time, back in week one and two, Javante Williams was damn near six yards a carry. That's what he was getting. And yeah. they wouldn't run on third and one. They'd try and throw from the shotgun. And they wouldn't run, you know, at the goal line, they're throwing from the shotgun. You're like, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? That was week one. Week seven is now done. We're seeing the same play calling, the same thing. And this is from a guy who says, oh, you know what, you, we, we're learning from mistakes. You're not. You can't sit there and say you're learning or you're improving because you're calling the same absolute garbage plays week after week after week for seven weeks. We're nearly halfway through the season. Nearly halfway through, and mm. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't know to call a run on third and one. <laughs> what? I, I, I'm sorry. Are you, I, I, honestly, and I said I wasn't going to rant, but this is just appalling. It's appalling. He needs to be fired. 
He has to be fired. He cannot. If he lasts the season, there will be a revolt in Denver. There will be. The fans, again, were leaving in droves. For the first time, and I I don't know how many years, the game against the Jets... Um, didn't sell out Mile High Stadium. I did see that online, yes. And there was, and it wasn't like a couple of hundred people didn't show up. Thousands. thousands. Yes, it was thousands. Thousands and thousands of people did not show up to that game. And they were the lucky ones because they didn't see <laughs> it. They didn't have to sit through that. The Broncos are going to, are going to Jackson, uh, sorry, are going to London. They're in London. Yeah. Going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars in Wembley. If they lose this game, they've then got a bye week. It's a perfect time to fire your coach. Just leave him in London. You've got to. You've got to fire yeah. him. Oh, oh, I, I do. I agree. I, I, I think they do. They, well, they, I, they well, I was to. going to ask you. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Now, you, obviously, I, I think we can all say Hackett should be, should be gone by now, right? That, that, that's like by the by. Who do you want to see... To replace them, do you have anyone in mind? Anyone, literally anyone. <laughs> you could get you could get a cardboard cutout of Sean Payton who would do better. They, they would be better without a play call, without anyone calling the plays, and just having them improvise. They they, they would be better. I I guarantee it. Anyone would be better. I don't care. They're, they're talking about, you know, Sean Payton, but they can't get Sean Payton because the Saints have a, you know, they'd need to trade for Sean Payton, essentially, and uh, recompense the Saints if that were the case. I, I don't need Sean Payton. Anyone. <laughs> Anybody at all who can call plays. Mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care who it is. Um, elevate Clint Kubiak. Make, it, make him the, the head coach. Get him to call plays. There you go. Quarterback's coach. That'll do. You've, you've got the defence. This div- this this Broncos defense is allowing sixteen points a game. They should be allowing forty a game because of the way the offense is playing. Yeah, it, it's. I mean the the Jets uh, won this game, right? I, I'm so I apologize to any Jets fans who are listening here. Um, this just happened. You just happened to be playing the Broncos. That's why I'm not talking about you because I'm <laughs> raging about the Broncos. Um, as I say, Zach, Zach Wilson was like Houdini back there. Brees Hall, ah, that's so frustrating for him. So yeah. frustrating. Um, he's out for the season. Uh, ACL, I think it was. Yeah, tor- uh, torn ACL. Um, but the, the offensive line, the Jets do not have a bad offensive line. It was being demolished by this Broncos defense. But the Jets defense was pretty stout. And I will say this about Sauce Gardner. I think he's a very talented individual. I guess he's an excellent cornerback, but yeah. he got away with more than one penalty in this game. Um, he's ve- yeah, he's very kind of Jalen Ramsey esque in the way that he's he's right to the edge on so yeah, many. Yeah, he he could yeah. have been called for pi a couple of times and holding yeah. at least once, but he was but he wasn't, and, and that's that's fine. You know what? You win some, you lose some. That that's the way it goes with with, with flags. Um, this Jets team, they could be. Very dangerous. They can be very dangerous because they they put up sixteen points against this de- defense, and I don't I don't care what people say. This may be the best defense in the entire NFL. Now I know the Bills have allowed fewer points than anybody else. I get that, 
49ers were allowing less than 200 yards of total offense per game. I get that. But this Broncos defense has been put in such a hole for seven weeks running and have stood their ground. They're like the, I think they're the third, third-ranked defense, fourth-ranked defense in the entire mm-hmm. NFL. And their offense has been stinking. And this defense has been put in the worst situations for seven weeks and they're still ranking third, fourth in the NFL in all the major categories. I would go it's, I would go one step further though. I would say that because of how poor the offense have been, even more plays have been put against the defense. The other teams are getting more plays on offense. Of course, yeah, they're getting yeah. more opportunities. So they're they're tired every game, the Broncos defense. So and, I and think yeah. Yeah, they should be they, they I th- I I think you're right. I think they could be the number one ranked like regardless of the Bills. The, the Bills and I th- it, I don't think it's the Chiefs. I can't remember who the second one is, but the Bills I, I think are up there as you know kind of top three I think uh, it was it, uh, it was Bills and 49ers well it was the 49ers we'll talk about that in just a second yeah after yeah, this we will. Um, I think it was Bills Bills and 49ers were basically one and two I, I sort of across the board um, mm-hmm. I think the Eagles uh, led the league the in Eagles interceptions and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about all the I don't have the stats in front of me but basically yeah. that, but this Broncos defense it's just, it's it's ridiculous how good it is. But what I do not want them to do is to promote the defensive coordinator head coach. Don't no, do yeah, that. That's what I was going to say. I no. think, I think from 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 a kind of neutral uh, stand, I'm I'm obviously because I'm I'm on this podcast with you every week. At the same time, I'm starting to get a little bit of a soft spot for the Broncos. <laughs> but what I don't want to, I, what I want to see happen, I want to see not only Nathaniel Hackett. But I want to see, is it Justin Outen, the offensive coordinator? I don't know. Hand That's in how hand. Bad yeah, is. hand in hand, they are just not doing good enough, the pair of them. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett's more uh, offensive play, play caller, offensive minded coach. He's just terrible at it. He, he just can't do it. So they both have to go. Um, yeah, Did, I, if you don't ever think, has to stay. Oh, yeah, they, they need that, but they, they cannot promote him to head coach. If no. they do that, he will not be able to concentrate on the defense because the defense yes. is not the problem. The offense is the problem that needs someone needs to concentrate on fixing this. This is priority number one. Do not get the guy who has get is getting the best out of these players, one of the best defenses in the entire league. Do not let him take his eye off that to concentrate on something which should be able to be solved by a I don't know a, a blind rhesus monkey. It, it you know can see that this this play calling is just not doing it. It's just not doing it. So they need to do something. Now I'll tell you something else, Dave. I don't know if you've seen this. I think in fact you have seen this because I think you were mentioning it. Um, there are rumors flying around. If the Broncos lose this game to Jacksonville next week, Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, yes. on the trade block. Yeah, both of them. Now I don't know why you would do that. I, I, I don't know why you would do that. Why would you trade them? They're not the problem. Correct. But Bradley Chubb's not the problem. Now, some people, some people have a go at Jerry Judy. I, I don't have a go at Jerry Judy. He, he did. He had a problem with drops. Yes, he did. But I don't blame him for anything that's happening this year because he's, he's barely getting targeted. And when he does get targeted, he seems to be wide open. That's his job. 
I, I don't I don't get it. It's just people are talking about trading, but why? What are you trying to do? You're trying to get some draft picks back for all the tr- picks you get away for Russell Wilson? That's not what you need. I don't I don't think the I don't know whoever's coming up with this thinks that this can be solved with players. It's it's players are not the problem. Players are not the problem. Players right. are not the problem. Problem is the head coach, the play calling. The play that is it. Sort the play calling. This team could be undefeated with this defense. I mean, seriously, that's how good this defense. I trust this defense so much. It's it's, it's this is. I, I think it's starting to look like a historically bad offense. It's, it is. It's awful. Um, the worst yeah, I the worst I'm, I can remember. I don't know why the. I, th- I think the back room need to give their heads a wobble for for th- even thinking about accepting trades for Bradley Chubb. Uh, Judy maybe not as much. But I think that's not going to help them whatsoever. I, I think the season is probably done for. Because um, going the forward, thing is, though, what, what would you get for Jerry Judy? What would you get for him? What do you reckon? What's his trade value? I, uh, it, how how long has he got in his contract? Two years, maybe this year, and next uh, year. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, why, considering what um, some of the other wide receivers were going for, uh, aside from Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, I think you'd probably get. A second and a third. I, see, I, I and don't it's think just, I don't it's know not if you worth get it. it. I don't know if you I, get a second you, and a third. Not even that. And, and even a if you, and even a third if you did, and a future. Yeah. If, even if you did get a second, what are you going to do with them? What well, you, I mean, I don't <laughs> know. Do you well, think? Well, what, what are you going to do? Well, who are you going to draft? It's a, it's that age old question. Uh, you know, if you get rid of someone, who are you going to replace them with? That's yeah. the problem. The, 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 it's who you're going to replace them with. I was but watching the thing. Uh, so, sorry, D, sorry, Dave, carry on. Carry on. I, I, no, the, the only thing I was going to say was um, on on that point, though, the two favourites for uh, replacing uh, Nathaniel Hackett are Dan Quinn and Eric Bieniemy. I would Those take Bieniemy in a heartbeat, <laughs> even if it was just to get him away from Patrick Mahomes. Yes. So I think, I think I, I, <laughs> yeah. Dan Quinn's a good coordinator, but he's not a great head coach. Um, yeah, well, as I say, a cardboard cutout would do as a head coach. Yeah, I, don't, I don't care. Anyway, uh, speaking of Eric Bianami, let's, yeah. mo- let's move on, Dave. Uh, congratulations yeah, yeah. to the New York Jets for winning that game. <laughs> Through gritted teeth. <laughs> yes. I don't blame the Jets. <laughs> I don't blame the Jets. Not their fault. They, they play who they play. Uh, the Broncos lose another one. So, we're going to move on. Speaking of Eric Bianami. Yeah. Um, San Francisco. 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, 49ers Christian Chiefs. Christian McCaffrey's debut. Christian Chris, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's debut. And the 49ers, as I said, had the ranked first and second defense across the board. And Patrick Mahomes said, that's a nice defense you've got there. <laughs> it, would <be> a, <laughs> it would be a terrible shame if someone were to just, you know, obliterate it. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes did just that. 25 of 34, 423 yards, three touchdowns, uh, one interception. Um, this game, Mahomes was so good in this game, Chad Henney came in. Yes, he did. Chad, Chad yeah, Henney yeah. came yeah. in and played. Um, Patrick Mahomes is... I, I know everyone talks about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And I love Josh Allen. I do. But Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is on another planet. He, he just and I know the Bills beat the Chiefs the other week there. I get that, but Mahomes is just on another planet now. Mike, Mike Florio um, of um, Pro Football Talk was saying, I think it was on the Rich Eisen show, 
He was saying that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the only two untradeable players in the NFL. Uh, he was struggling, to, with struggling yeah. to think of anyone else. And I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I think uh, on the Rich Eisen show, um, I forget the gentleman's name, is it TJ, uh, was saying, oh, well, in Dallas, you've got Micah Parsons. And then it's Mike Florida says, yeah, but you'd trade him for Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes, he would. Patrick Mahomes is so good. Now, I should hate Patrick Mahomes, division rival. They've won, they've won the, the AFC West every year Patrick Mahomes has played. Yeah. Every you see, year. You see, you see him beat your team twice a year. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And uh, it was against the Broncos. He did that ridiculous le- the left-handed throw. Remember the left-handed throw on the oh, sidelines? While yes. Von Miller was draped on top of him and he completed it for a first <laughs> down with his left hand. Like, Go away from me. But I just I cannot help. But just marvel at what this man does. He it like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yes, I he agree. may be the best of all time. That's hard for me to say that. Ooh. It's hard, hard for me to say that. I think because of his movement, I think that that's what really strengthens his argument as well. His movement, his ability to make these weird throws. Um, yeah, from yeah. from a from a sort of um, per-game sort of basis uh, through his career, Patrick Mahomes is already the best uh, quarterback he's ever played. Yeah, yes, and, yes. and you know what? It's not close. Um, statistically, it's not close. Mm-hmm. His winning percentages are, are, it's the best of all time. Um, in, fa- in fact, I saw something on Twitter that said um, that the, the the three top winning percentages of all time is Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and in third place, uh, Patrick Mahomes when he's trailing by 10. <laughs> That's brilliant. And then That's I think Tom Brady was fourth. So oh, that, wow. that, that, this is how good Patrick Mahomes is. Anyway, not going to talk about Patrick Mahomes the entire time, but he, it, he put on a clinic against the San Francisco 49ers. They come away with a 44-23 victory, but you mentioned it, Christian McCaffrey. It was his first game... Um, he's now a 49er. He's now a 49er. I, how did you feel about this? I know you're, you're a Rams man. How do you yeah. feel about the trade? How do you feel about McCaffrey being there? Did you watch this game? Um, and uh, tell me what you think. Chiefs 49ers. I think you lost me at how do you feel about this trade. Uh, painful, I think, is the best way to describe it because I know that the two main teams that were in for him trying to trade for picks were the Rams and the 49ers. So the fact that the Panthers accepted the deal from the 49ers and not the Rams is makes it even more painful. Um, he was only there for two days before this game. I think it was Friday that the deal was completed and he was in San Francisco. So he only got he got eight carries. He got two receptions, eight carries for 38 yards, two receptions for 24 yards. I... I I, I think um, the 49ers must be pinning a lot of hope on um, Trey Lance for when he comes back. I, I really do think that because if they're thinking that they need another running back of the caliber of Christian McCaffrey and they're willing to sell any draft picks that they have except from a first round, then I think they've, they, they must be looking to get back into the run game as quickly as possible. And yeah, it's a painful thing. I did, I watched some of it, but you know when I I know I know Patrick Mahomes is great. He played brilliant as always, but so did the Chiefs' defense. 
The Chiefs defense were amazing. They sacked Jimmy G five times and Frank Clark also got the safety. Hmm. So that that that's that's the for the defense anyway. That's the equivalent of the, the the big men at the front getting a touchdown because it's just so it's such a rarity to get a safety, and he managed to do it. And they, <laughs> I mean, the amount of times that he was sacked, that that, that Jimmy G was sacked. Now, uh, just put it into context, he had one inter- so he had two interceptions in, in the game. Uh, Frank Clark gone for one and a half sacks. Chris Jones gone for two sacks. You know, the, the famous Chris Jones that nearly got yep. uh, jailed for sacking Brady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, they had a couple other people sacking as well. Um, yeah, the, there was uh, a few uh, Legere Sneeds getting in on top of it. Uh, obviously, uh, Juan Thornhill. Uh, what, it is Juan Thornhill. Yeah, he got nine tackles, one interception. He was brilliant. Now, uh, Thornhill, um, if I remember rightly, I think he's actually he's a safety, I think. Um, but yeah, he was brilliant. He, but then you look at the offense for the Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster, seven receptions, 124 yards and a touchdown. Valdez Scantling with that massive reception as well. He got three receptions mm. for 111 yards total. Travis Kelsey, the, the ever-reliable, six receptions for 98 yards. But also McCole Hardman showing pace that rivals uh, Hill. He, he, he was he got two two rushing touchdowns. Did McCall Hardman uh, two carries for twenty yards, two touchdowns. But the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on Edwards Alaire did not start the game. He was the second choice running back in that game. Yeah, um, I think that Andy Reid. I I don't think that like Andy Reid's like fallen out with Edwards Alaire or something. I think he wanted to see what he's got in Pacheco. Yeah. Because I think he knows, I, I know what I've got in, in Clyde Edwards earlier. This is the Andy Reid's thought process. Um, yeah. I think he's thinking, I know what I've got with this guy. I want, to, I want to see what I've got in Pacheco. I want to see what I can do if Elias not in the game. What if he gets injured? Because I honestly think Reid's like, we, we know we're going to win this game. Let's look ahead three weeks and see what might happen. <laughs> I, I honestly, because I think the Chiefs are just going to win out from here on in um, and yeah I think Andy Reid's looking at other options he might be looking for trade options but I don't think he would for 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 um, Clyde Edwards I, I, I don't yeah. think he would do just in the way that you know we watched the the Jaguars um, getting rid of um, Robinson as we mentioned the Panthers got rid of McCaffrey and but I don't think Andy Reid is thinking oh, maybe we need to stockpile draft picks because he might be one of the best drafters. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs might be the best team at drafting over the past five, six, seven years. They, they've, mm-hmm. they've drafted so much incredible talent. Just some of the most amazing talent. I mean, you're looking at guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill. I mean, you know, before all his issues, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire, McCall Hardman. These these are they've. It's not like we just swinging and missing many of these draft picks. She's, she's at, doing really well. Yeah, and and they're picking them in the later rounds. But um, yeah, look at look at look at uh, well, if we go go back to um, this year, Pacheco, he was a seventh round draft pick. Right? Seventh Ty- round draft pick. Tyreek Hill was a fifth round draft pick. That's crazy. That, uh, how he got even got that far um, they, then you go down the list you've got uh, McCall Hardman 
He was a second round pick, but he was he was touted as being th- third third or fourth round. Chiefs got him in the second round. Now he's he's you know he's scoring touchdowns week in week out now. Travis Kelsey. Was Ke- Kelsey was drafted by the Chiefs, wasn't he? I'm, I'm uh, right yes, yes, that. he was drafted by the Chiefs. This is the thing they they're hitting on so many these players. This is not an old team in Kansas City. No, it's not. Travis Kelsey is twenty nine. Twenty nine. He's, he's you know he's only just hit his stride. Yeah. He's got another five years left in him. And you look at this team and you think, my God, they've got some amount of talent. And as you say, Pacheco, seventh round draft pick, for him to even, for a seventh round pick to make a team is is quite a thing. It's not easy for seventh round picks to make NFL starting squads, the the, the 53-man roster. Um, He's done it. And I think uh, that's why Reed is dialing up plays for him. Let's see what we've got in this kid. He might be good. He he might be even better than we've seen in practice. And Pacheco's doing his thing. Uh, The 49ers now. The 49ers are a quandary. They they are. They're a a mystery wrapped up in an enigma. I'm not sure what to make of the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan might be reaching a point where people are going to say, you've been hanging on to your dad's coattails for a long time now. He's never, in his coaching career, been above 500. Did you know that? I I did, but what I'm going to say is how about we wait for random stats before we go into Kyle Shanahan? Hmm. I, th- okay, I, then. I, th- I think we should just wait a little bit to talk about Kyle Shanahan. Okay. There might be a big chunk of Kyle Shanahan coming okay, up. Okay, in that case, I, I, I won't talk about Kyle Shanahan too much. But um, this Fort Niners team, I don't understand it. Yeah. It's... It, it, it looks like you, you look at it one game and say, wow, these guys can be anyone. And then the next game, now I'm, I'm not counting this game because they were playing the Chiefs. You get a pass when you're playing the Chiefs. Yeah. Just like teams playing the Bills, you get a pass when you're playing the Buffalo Bills. Do you remember week one? Rams, Bills, Thursday night? Uh, no. No, you blanked out my <laughs> No, I, I'd, PTSD. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd said to you then, so you, you can't judge the Rams on this game you can't because the Buffalo Bills on the day were just massively superior and it's just one of those things it happens you know what are you going to do um, I think what we'll maybe do Dave is move on what do you reckon shall we go on yeah, to the next game I mean, yeah we're st- because we're, we're going into harmful territory we're going back to week one as well so let's so staying with Los Angeles there's the Los Angeles Chargers welcome the Seattle Seahawks to SoFi Stadium and in front of 70,000 fans got the snot beaten out of them by the Seattle <laughs> Seahawks and oh my goodness Geno Smith just carries on, keeps on keeping on. 20 of 27, 210 yards, two touchdowns, did have one interception, but a rating of 105.5. And just before I put it over to you, Dave, Justin Herbert, 33 of 51, um, 293 yards. I am starting to worry about Justin Herbert. Now, not talent-wise, with the talent there, we can all see it, but he's not making the plays he needs to make to win games. This is a problem. And he is in danger of essentially becoming Jay Cutler. Someone with massive amounts of talent, 
but not being able to get it done. And when he, when he, you know, when he needed to make the plays to win this game, he could not do it. And I, I, I think he's more talented than Jay Cutler. I do. I think he's got, you know, he's he's got the same same skill set though. Cannon for an arm. Yeah. And, and he's accurate. We can see this. He's mobile. He's, he's not the best runner, but he is mobile. He can do it. Big, strong guy. But it's just the same frustrations. I watched Justin Herbert, and it's like watching Jay Cutler. It's the same frustrations that I feel watching this guy. Um, that He has flashes where he looks absolutely brilliant, and then he just disappears for half a game. And it's it's not enough. You need consistency. And then, as I say, on the other side of the ball, Mr. Consistency this year, Geno Smith. My goodness. What did you make of this one, Dave? 37-23 to the Seahawks. I, I'm going to take you back to when uh, Justin Herbert first played. Now, do you remember what happened around that time? Do you remember the doctor of the Chargers? What what he did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, um, he attempted to murder um, Tyler Taylor, wasn't it? That's right. Okay, maybe not quite. All right, okay, yeah. Was right. it, for anyone, for anyone who's new to this, he didn't actually. Um, he, yes, he was. He, um, punk, he was administered his lung. Administering, yeah. administ, administering, administering. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Not administrating. He was administering no. an injection to Tyrod Taylor, and he punctured his lung. Tyrod yes. Taylor therefore was out. Justin Herbert came in and started lighting it up. That's exactly what happened. However. What I said, I can't. I think it might have been to our own Ewan McPhail at the time. What I said was, I think Justin Herbert is a raw talent, but he needs to be a lot more, shall we say, cultivated and a lot more polished. refined. Polished. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. We'll go for polished. Yeah. Now I think that because they've had kind of he's a, a bit of a stop-start career. That he's not not had enough consistency. Uh, I I think that polishing has be, uh, fallen short. I don't think he. I think he had, he had the potential to be what Josh Allen is today, because because of his movement, because of his cannon of an arm. I think that has been kind of driven out of him. I I, I think there's been too much pressure put on him now by the Chargers. Do you know that's that's it, an excellent uh, comparison to make because when Josh Allen was in his first year ex- yeah. uh, and even the first half of his second year, I think I'd made the same Jay Cutler comparison to Josh mm-hmm. Allen. What I'd said, yeah. the talent's there, the arm's there, we can all see it, but he needs to be more consistent. And then Josh Allen became more consistent. And my goodness, he just uh, <laughs> uh, he totally outstripped what Jay Cutler did. But I, apologies, uh, Dave, carry on there. No, no. The only thing I was going to say, though, is that now the Chargers are thinking that Herbert should be all that, but they're not. They're not kind of lining up the the, the plays around him. What I mean by that is they're not running the ball. They 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 had um, was it some eleven or twelve carries in the entire game yeah. uh, for uh, on the run. Herbert threw fifty one times. Now that's just that. Obviously, that's a, a pass first uh, kind of scheme that they played against the Seahawks. But if you don't have the run game, you don't get a pass game. You just, it's just, it's not there. The Seahawks, 23 carries for one man for Kenneth Walker. 168 yards, two touchdowns, right? Then their second man, DJ Dallas. Six carries for 35 yards. That's nearly six yards a carry. They, they ran the ball. They, and then Geno Smith, he only, he only threw for 27 times. That's half 
of what Justin Herbert did, and they racked up thirty-seven points. Yeah. So, two you know two two touchdowns to do through the air, two on the ground, and obviously the I think there was one on um, was am I right in thinking it was one on defense as well, or was it just uh, was it just field goals? No, I'm thinking that there was a, there was a safety in the match. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, I, I believe they did actually. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. I knew there was something on uh, there was some sort of point scored on, on defense, but yeah, the the. The, the Chargers just they just couldn't they couldn't run the game. They didn't try to run uh, to run the ball at all, and they kind of paid the price for it. So I think they rely they, they are currently relying far far too heavy on Justin Herbert. He's still a young quarterback, whether we like it or not. He's a good quarterback, but he's still only twenty four years old, and he was thrown into his first game. It, it was like being thrown into the Atlantic Ocean and told there you go learn to swim. You know he wasn't expected to be playing. That's From what happened then, to me when I was a kid. Well, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. We learned to swim in the sea when I was a kid. In the Atlantic, oh, oh, well, actually, okay. it, was in, it was in the Minch. Not, not really the Atlantic, but it was freezing. Whoops, beep that out. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dave. I, I kind of went off on a tangent there. Yeah. So no, not at all. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that. Um, I, I don't think it's been fair on Justin Herbert to say that he's not looking great. He's. I think he's been put into a situation that is not of his own making. And yeah, I think the Chargers are. The kind of disappointments of Los Angeles. So, yeah, big, <laughs> okay. just, <laughs> it's all right. We'll go with that. We'll move swiftly on there. <laughs> and we're going to Hard Rock Stadium where it was the Battle of the Mikes. Mike McDaniel, Mike Tomlin, Dolphins, Steelers. Dolphins come away with a 16 to 10 win. Not going to lie, this is a pretty boring game uh, from a neutral point of view. Um, Kenny Pickett, I'm not buying it, Dave. Are you buying no. it? Are you buying Kenny Pickett? Not even close. Uh, the, what they should start calling me is Mystic Dave. Because Hi, what no, did I, I? No, no, no. Yes. Okay, well, I'll let you finish and then, okay. Carry okay. On. Carry on. All carry right. on. So we call, we'll call me Mystic Dave because what did I do? I went to bed at halftime. That is why, because I knew what was going to happen. I thought, yeah, this is a pretty boring game. I, I, I don't think much is going to happen in the second half. I'm off to bed. Does does the mysticism only only last for like one game? Because you also said Kenny Pickett was going to be much better than Mitch Trubisky. It's a low bar, so it's 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 like this is Kenny Pickett has not been any better than Mitch Trubisky at all. He's looked worse. Yes, he's a younger version of Mitch Trubisky. That's that's pretty much it. So you'll admit he's looked worse than Mitch Trubisky. Oh, oh, he has. Yes, but get Trubisky back in there. No, at this point, the Steelers have made their beds. Tom no, you're allowed to. You're allowed to unmake a bed. You're allowed to change a bed. Ooh. You you can do that. They, you're allowed they, to admit what, I made a mistake and go back to Mitch Trubisky and to hell with what anyone thinks about it because Mitch Trubisky is the best chance you have to win. Pickett just is not getting. I'm sorry, Dave. I, I'm talking. Yeah, over no, I do Steelers, apologize. Yeah, the Steelers and the Chargers need to learn from each other because. What the Steelers did in that game was they put everything on picket to throw the ball with not much of a run game. Tomlin knows better than that. He knows that you need to establish a good run game to set up the pass game. Pickett had 44 throwing attempts. He also had three rushes as well. But Najee Harris only made 17 rushing attempts. That it, it's There's no kind of middle. Dolphins preparing for it all the time. He had 32 completion, 44 times, 257 yards, one touchdown, but three picks, and they were pretty much all him. It, it was really 
bad I'm, I'm amateurs. Kind of, um, I'm kind of over Najee Harris. You reckon? I, yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. I, I don't think he's got the talent that his uh, high draft choice um, it, sort of says that he should have. If yeah. se- 17 attempts for 65 yards, that, that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. And in fact, I think that his, his um, yards per carry... Is what is it three? What is it three? It's all season. It's been about three years. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's and I think I don't think I don't think he's overthrown his career. That's not good enough. For That's was he not bad. a first round draft pick? He was. I'm pretty sure he was out Alabama. He was. Um, yeah, because I think he was actually the running back when Tua was there. When Tua was at Alabama, I'm pretty sure he could because well have it, been, but he's just was, he's not yeah, doing yeah, he it. Was. In fact, yeah, look, he's this this year. He's rushed 100 times for 329 yards. That's less than 3.3 yards per carry, one touchdown. Ouch. It's not good enough. Not for a first-round draft pick. I'm sorry, Najee. I'm not trying to have a go at you personally, but from the Steelers' point of view, that is not good enough. It's not getting it done, and I think this is why they are having to throw the ball so much, because the ground game just isn't there. Uh, but they need to go back to Trubisky. That's what they need to do. Oh, they, God. They, yeah, they, they, just, they do. They need to go back to Trubisky. That's the best thing for them. Now, uh, from the Dolphins' point of view, my goodness, what can you say to a tongue of Iloa? I shouldn't say that. Tua Tagovailoa. That's how it's spelled. That's how I'm saying it. 21 to 35, 261 yards, one touchdown, a rating of 92.7. Those are a couple of rushes, but he got help from the ground games. You mentioned uh, Raheem Mostert uh, looking pretty good again. Didn't do anything too flashy this time round, but he also had a couple of receptions and a touchdown. What, what do you think of these Dolphins, Dave? Are they, are they back on track? They're 4-3 and three now. They, had, they were on the skids. Will this win get them back onto winning ways? I think so. I, I'd, I'd like to think so. I, I want to see the Dolphins do well so that the, A, the Bills are pegged back a little bit and B, because they're in the Patriots uh, division. So that's pretty <laughs> much why I want the Dolphins to do a lot better. Um, I think There was a few a few questionable things, particularly in the second half. That I, I, don't, I don't think they were at their best at all in the second half at any point whatsoever. Um, they came out the game flying, or Tua came out flying as well, because he was he was throwing bombs. Uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, Ty- Tyreek, both you know, with plenty between them, the two of them, eleven receptions for I think it was one hundred and sixty yards between the pair of them. Uh, obviously, you know they had some help. Mike Zicky, three receptions for twenty seven. Um, you know, Raheem Moser, like you were saying, sixteen carries, seventy nine yards in the rushing game. Between the two running backs, uh, they had a combined ninety six yards from twenty three carries, which doesn't seem fantastic, but they got the yardage that they needed to do at the right times. But that first quarter, the Dolphins came flying out the blocks. They mm. just finished really poorly. Um, what do you? I, I, I want to put it to you though about the Dolphins head coach. So the uh, the Dolphins head coach, it's um, what's his name again? Mike McDaniel. I forgot. That, of course, is Mike McDaniel. What do you think about him? Because I think what the Dolphins hoped to get in him was like a kind of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan type of young coach that, that, that would come that's into a, it. That's exactly what they were looking for. They were do looking you think for the young it? offensive I think um, I'm not ready to put him in the same as Sean McVay just yet. I'm mm. not ready because I need to see more. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're four and three. I need to see more. Uh, but they're playing a lot better than they have done in the past. 
He's got yeah, this think, offense going, um, and I think he's got it going the right way, running the ball and taking shots deep down the field. Um, yeah, I, I like it. It's nice to watch. Not this game. This game was pretty poor to watch. Yes, this um, one was. But, but generally, through the season, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think McDaniel's done what was required of him, uh, done what people have asked of him. Not his fault his quarterback got injured for three games. Um, although it might be his fault for putting Tua back in for that other yeah, game. Yeah, too early. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know whose decision that was. I'm assuming it was McDaniels, in which case that is kind of on him. Although, of course, the injury itself, uh, that, that's, not, that's not his fault. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's McDaniels. I think he can be good. Um, exciting I, prospect. An exciting prospect. I just hope it doesn't, uh, you know, sort of burn too quickly and then just fizzle out to nothing. Uh, I don't think that'll happen because we need to wait and see exactly what kind of uh, offensive schemes he can continue to throw out. Because eventually it'll just get to a point where people just will play the Dolphins a certain way to take away, you know, running game deep shots. If that's all you're going to do, eventually that'll it'll get mm-hmm. stopped. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Um, so moving on, uh, speaking of the Patriots, as we were doing earlier, uh-huh. uh, the New England Patriots, Monday night, Chicago Bears. And you know something, Dave? You spoke about running the football, and one thing the Bears have been able to do this year, all year, in fact, is run the football. Uh, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery having good games. Justin Fields, he's still he's not attempting many passes this year, um, nope. but he's able to run the ball. And Mac Jones for the New England Patriots, he came back and he got benched. He had a terrible interception, although I did see a thing, a wee video, I think it was on Twitter, it looked <laughs> like that ball hit the wire that the sky cams on. It did, it yes, did, it didn't did. it? Now, it did. if you look at it, it, I think it barely affects the trajectory. <laughs> oh, no. That was, do you remember last week I was talking about, in fact, I was talking about Bailey Zappi, and I said uh-huh. the one knock I have on his game is he tends to float passes. He's a little <laughs> bit too much aid under it. And then Step up, Mac Jones. And Mac Jones was like, hold my beer. <laughs> this thing was like a punt. This was in the air for a long time. It was almost, you know, I'm sure you've seen it yourself, Dave, like if it's your own quarterback, that ball goes up and you're like, that's getting picked. There's no way that's a good, you just know that that pass is getting, but it hung up there for what seemed like days before it came down. And uh, Mac Jones gets benched for Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi comes in. And he did throw two interceptions, but he continued to look pretty good. Damn sight better than Mac Jones, uh, unfortunately uh-huh. for Mac Jones. Dave, um, Bears, they can run. They absolutely stomped the Patriots in this one. I mean, the final score in this one was 33-14. to 14. Patriots were shot out in that second half. What did you make of this? It was, I mean, they came out the blocks firing and just kept going for once. This, this was so unlike the Bears, but I, I don't know how... The Bears are now three and four. This is probably the worst three and four team I've seen for a while. Like the the worst the worst team at six and one are the Jaheads, but the Bears three and four. They're lucky to be three and four. I, they came out firing. The Patriots just didn't know what to deal with them. Justin Fields though, thirteen to twenty one uh, through the air, one hundred seventy nine yards, one TD, one. He did have what that one pick, but on uh, on the ground as well, fourteen carries for eighty two yards and a touchdown. That is just 
it's almost like he's a college quarterback. That's the kind of figures you put up for in college. Uh, 21 attempts, 179 through the yards and 82 yards on the feet. But then the uh, the run game, like you said, Khalil Herbert, 12 carries, 62 yards. David Montgomery, 15 carries, 62 yards. There was also the the um what you, the, the jet sweep with uh, Pettis yeah. for yeah. 29 yards as well. Um, and when they were throwing the ball, uh, Darnell Mooney, three receptions for 53 yards. Uh, Equinomius St. Brown. Equinomius. 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 Four receptions for 43 yards. And then Khalil Herbert also with a, a touchdown through the air for uh, one reception for 25 yards. Um, and David Montgomery got the other rushing touchdown for the Bears. But yeah, what a weird start to that game when Mac Jones, he had three carries for 24 yards. He ran the ball. He had six dropbacks to throw. Three were completed for 13 yards. One was intercepted. The other two looked pretty Crap, rubbish. We'll go for rubbish. I'll uh, say rubbish. Yeah, we, yeah. but um, there. When Bailey Zappi was dropping back, uh, what I did know is that he kept throwing it to his running back constantly. It was like either the Bears were showing amazing coverage, or one of his first go-to people was his running back, which I find hard to believe. What's the point in having three or four players in front of you when the guy on the side, your running back, who's gone out, kind of dropped out, is? Just you know, it, it it shouldn't be there. What's the point of having all these players in all the time? He had eight receptions for f- fifty nine yards. Uh, Stevenson, it was. And he also had eleven carries for thirty nine yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Patriots couldn't really run the ball, could they? No, they, they, they didn't just, they couldn't establish. No. Whereas the Bears, on the other hand, two hundred forty three rushing yards in, in the game. And that's how it's you amazing. win the game. That's how you do it. And then on third down, the Bears eleven of eighteen. That's incredible. They did. I mean, Justin Fields was sacked four times. I mean, some of them were kind of runs, but um, there was also the fumble for the Patriots as well. Um, yeah, I don't know what you can really say about the Patriots. It was kind of, it was they, they were just poor. They they were mediocre at best, and the Bears just kind of came alive. So good for them, and for for I think because the Lions have dropped out, and I'm not really keen on the Vikings, and we don't like the Packers. It's maybe it's time for the Bears to step up and win the division. There we go. NFC North winners, Chicago Bears. Wow. Love it. Oh, and it's that, not going to happen. <laughs> and that wraps up our um, week seven roundup. Slightly extended. Apologies there, Dave. Sorry about that. I kind of went on a bit not more than I, yeah, I thought not I would. Um, <clears throat> so, when we come back, we're going to have a rapid, rapid fire um, week eight predictions. And then we're going to, have, of course, have random stats. And we'll catch you just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm Ian McKinnon here with Dave Somerville, and we have got a rapid, most rapidest, rapid fire week eight predictions yeah. whoop, whoop. preview, whatever you want to call it. We're yeah. going to kick off, Dave. Thursday night football: Baltimore Ravens at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've got the Ravens winning this one, and I've got them winning it convincingly. I've got a thirty-seven twenty-one win for the Ravens. Oh, well, I've got much low scoring, but still a Ravens win. So I think it's going to be 19 points to 13. I think they're just, I think the Bucks defense will step up a little bit to try bail out Brady, but it's not going to happen. Ravens win. Then got the London game, Denver Broncos at Jacksonville Jaguars. As I said, I'll be there at Wembley Stadium, but you know, I have no faith in this Broncos team anymore. And I've got the Jaguars winning this one 13 to 6. 
well, we both, we've gone for a low score in each, but I've got faith that the Broncos are going to put on a show for you. I think it's going to be 15 points to 12 for the Broncos. <laughs> Is that a show of five field goals? Uh, I, I, I didn't I didn't say a method I, 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 they're definitely not going to go for two points at any point that's all I'm saying alrighty then we then uh, come to the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons and do you know what I've got the Panthers winning two in a row it's a close one I've got them 14 to 13 over the Falcons I think with the Falcons being at home I'm going to stick with them as the kind of safer option so I'm going to say that the Falcons are going to win 24 points to 17 we then have the Chicago Bears at the Dallas Cowboys. I have faith in this running game. I've got the Bears upsetting the Cowboys in Jerry World, and I've got them winning this one 17-16. Well, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I'm going to go for 29 points to 27 win for the Cowboys. No, the Cowboys win. Uh, we then got the Arizona Cardinals, the Minnesota Vikings. This was that upset of the week, Dave. We've got the Cardinals uh-huh. over the Vikings. I've got them taking this one 23-21. to yeah, I've got the Cardinals narrowly taking this, but I think it's actually going to be a high-scoring game, I think. I think it's going to be 28 points to 24 for the Cardinals. I think Kyler's just going to get it done against Vikings and Kirk Cousins is going to do Kirk Cousins' thing and just not quite enough in the big situations. Then have Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions, and sorry from Ewan McPhail there, I think the Dolphins are going to run away with this one. Got them then winning this one by 28 to 10. Big win. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be high scoring as well, but I've actually gone even more. So I think the Dolphins are going to go in 42 points to 24. Yikes. We then have the New England Patriots at the New York Jets. And I think the Patriots get back on winning ways. Um, I'm not sure that if the Jets can take them, but I've got to go into overtime. Got the Patriots winning 19-16 in overtime. Well, I tell you what, the, uh, the bookies have the Patriots as the favourites. However... I have faith in New York. I have faith in the Jets. I'm picking the Jets to win here. And I'm going to, even though that's, they've got a haul down, I'm going to pick them to win 24 points to 14. We then have an all Pennsylvania matchup to Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I can't see the Eagles losing this one at home and I reckon they stay undefeated. I've got them winning this one by a score of 24 to 20. I think it's going to be another Eagles win and I think they're going to whop the Steelers. I think it's going to be 34 points to 9. Oh, blimey. We then have the Las Vegas Raiders at the New Orleans Saints uh, and I think, unfortunately for Jake, that the Raiders will win this one. Uh, I've got the Raiders taking this one by a score of 27 to 17. I think we're in for another high-scoring match here, but I think the Raiders are just going to nip it. I think it's going to be 38 points to 35 for the Raiders. Oh, big scores there. Big uh, score. then, yeah. We're done with the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. And I think the Titans will just continue to do what they're doing. And God love David Mills. I think he's overperformed. I don't think it's going to be enough uh, to beat the Titans. I've got the Titans winning this one. Fairly low scoring affair, 16 to 13. We're so close in the scoring, but uh, I, I think we've gone from high scoring to very low scoring. So I think the Titans are going to win this. I've got 16 points for the Titans and nine points for the Texans. We then have the Giants at the Seahawks, and something's got to give, Dave. And I'm not sure what it is, but I'm taking the Giants to go seven and wow. one. I wasn't. I was going to go with the Seahawks. I'm taking the Giants to go seven and one, uh, and I think they actually win fairly convincingly. I think Barkley will have a huge game, but I trust Gino to score some points. So I've got the Giants taking this one, twenty-nine to twenty-two. 
we've got really, really similar scores. So when I say that, it's 28-21 to the Giants. That's It's one point difference on each side. I was wondering which way you were going to go for it. But I've got the Giants winning 28-21 because I think... What's going to happen is the Giants' defense will step up. I, I do. I think Geno Smith will get found out in the latter half of the season. This is where it starts. We then come to the San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams coming off the bye week. And I think they come away with the win, Dave. I've got the Rams taking hey. this one. A close game. Got it going into overtime. They win it 24-21. I, I am, I'm saying this out of blind faith that I think the Rams are going to win by 27 points to 24. I'm not convinced. The offense have had two weeks now to get it together. The offensive line really have to step up, so hopefully they can do it. Let's get Cooper Cup into that end zone. And we then have the Washington Commanders at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have benched Matt Ryan. Um, The Commanders will have Taylor Heineke. And I think the Commanders are going to win this one fairly convincingly. I've got them uh, taking this one by a score of 27 to 9. We've got, gone for the same team, but nowhere near what the score is. So I, I've got the Commanders winning by 20 points to 19. I think it's going to be a one-point game. The Commanders are going to edge it, and I think the Colts have kind of shot themselves in the foot by benching Matt Ryan. We then have the Green Bay Packers at the Buffalo Bills, and I've got the Bills absolutely trouncing Green Bay. I've got Green Bay to lose four on the bounds. I don't think this game will be even close, and I've got the Bills winning this one 40-17. I think it's going to be a big uh, a big gap in the scores, but I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I think if I, I, I've got the Packers scoring 13 and the Bills scoring 31, because I think... You've still got Jair Alexander on defense for the Packers. I think he's going to be on Stefan Diggs. I think that will affect the Bills, but I still think they're going to run away with it. And finally, we come to the Monday night game, and it's Ohio versus Ohio. Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. I think Joe Burrow will pick up right where he left off last week, and I've got the Bengals taking this one in, in a high scorer, but a pretty close one. I've got the Bengals winning this one 31-28. You know what? I'm picking the Browns in this one. And I'm thinking Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett is going to have his way with Joe Burrow. I think he's going to get him, and the Browns are going to win. So I've got the Browns winning by twenty points to seventeen. And that was a rapid, rapid, rapidest, rapid fire uh, preview of all time. That was a weekly preview. It's it's so close. Halfway, and you're and you're so close. You're so close to London. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Willfully. (laughs) I'm I'm pre-blocking things out. Yeah, okay. Pre-TSD. Let's go with that. (laughs) Pre-TSD. That's brilliant. (laughs) So, yes, uh, we do have time for one last uh, segment, Dave. And it is, of course, Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats. So, Dave... um, I can't remember if I went first last week. Did you want to go first this week or do you want me to take it? Well, I'll take it this week. I'll, 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 I'll take mine. Now, obviously earlier, you might have heard a little inkling as to what my random stat might be about. But my random stat is a short and sweet one, but it's all centered around Kyle Shanahan. Now, we know about Mike Shanahan, one of the greatest coaches ever, one of the best records. He was with the Broncos, with numerous teams. You hear about the coaches coming from the, the Shanahan school. Kyle Shanahan's son is obviously like that. But I want to tell you that I think the 49ers should bin Kyle Shanahan. 
And, and this is why there is one standout stat and one line to go with it. So the line is, if you are leading against the 49ers in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, you are almost certainly going to win. Since Kyle Shanahan has been 49ers head coach, when the 49ers have been trailing by three or more points, his record is 1-30. and 30. That is astronomical. One th- <laughs> what? Sorry, what? 1-30 in the fourth quarter. Right? Now, just to, put, just to uh, emphasize it, when they've been only one or two points down, uh, and, you know, but still losing in the, going into the fourth quarter, they have a, a record of 4-31 and 31 going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Shanahan cannot adapt to situations when his, eight, when his plan A is working. Is not working, sorry. If his plan A going into the game does not work, he doesn't know what to do. He panics. The 1-30 record of play co- and his play calling does not match up. So just I'll, um, one thing that, to me, it was highlighted anyway, uh, what I've noted, he took over as foreign coach in 2017, and since then, the team has not been able to put together comebacks in the fourth quarter whatsoever. The, the, the game against the Chiefs recently, the greatest example of the team's inability to put together any kind of late rally. And uh, this season, the 49ers are 0-2 in such situations. So it's already there. Um, down at halftime this season, they lost both games. Since 2017, they uh, in 30, uh, out of 37 games that they've been trailing at the half, they've then lost 30 of these games. Cal Shanahan has no plan B. He's no, I don't think he's good enough for 49ers. They should be looking elsewhere. And that is my random stat. Cal Shanahan in fourth quarters when le- losing by three points or more is 1-30 and 30 since 2017. That's a rough, rough stat, isn't it? It's bad. That's bad. It's, it's really not okay. Okay, uh, my random stat concerns the quarterbacks. Now, I don't often talk about quarterbacks um, because they get far too much attention as it is. But we're going to talk about quarterbacks because um, this is all about stats. My stat is about stats, so that's handy. Okay. Now, when you look at quarterbacks today, you look at all the records. It's all quarterbacks today who have all the records. With the notable exception of one that I spoke about uh, several weeks ago, which was, of course, uh, the single-game record of... uh, 554 yards by Norm Van Brocklin back in the 50s. Um, All the career records are owned by current quarterbacks. You know, most passing yards, touchdowns, winning percentages, uh, you know, completion percentage, passer rating. It's all current quarterbacks. But there is one stat that current quarterbacks do not have a monopoly on. One stat. And it's a strange stat. It's not a stat that you hear very often. Because obviously you hear about, you know, um, attempts, completions, percentage, mm-hmm. yards, touchdowns, interceptions, yards per attempt, passer rating. But there is another stat that never really gets mentioned. That stat is yards per completion. Now, uh, of active players in the NFL, the player with the highest yards per completion in his career is Jameis Winston. Wow. He has 12.6 yards per completion. Okay? that That's the, the highest of all active players. Next, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
12.3. And he's tied with uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes at 12.3. Now, as I said, Jameis Winston, 12.6, is the, the best of all active players. That means he is tied on the list 58th all time. 58th. And he's the highest of all active quarterbacks. He's 58th. Tied 58th. All time. Tied for 58th. He's on 58th on his own. Yeah. Tied for 58th. No, he's, he's actually listed as 63rd because he's the, the last, he's the newest person to do it. So I'm going to tell you about the man who's at number one. And his name is Ed Brown. Now, Ed Brown uh, was a quarterback, two-time Pro Bowler quarterback. And he played from 1954 until 1965. Played with the Bears, the Steelers, uh, and uh, the Baltimore Colts. Very very briefly, just just one game started for the Colts. Now, I, I mentioned this 12.6 that Jameis Winston has as his career um, passing um, yards per completion 13.9 for Ed Brown is the lowest he had in his entire career over the course of a season 13.9 through his career he's had uh, each season 28.3 15.4 17.4 18.3 27 20.4 16.9 17.6 yards per completion so at one point he was completing 28.3 yards per completion this was back in the 1950s this is back when, when teams didn't throw the ball. It's very similar to the, the, the Norm Van Brocklin single game where he threw for 554 yards in one game. Mm-hmm. And I think that same year, the, the, was it the Giants, I think, had 900 yards on the 12-game season passing. Yeah. This guy, <laughs> this guy, Ed Brown, as I say, two-time Pro Bowler. Um, in fact, he was uh, he got UPI MVP votes in 1955 as a Pro Bowl and a Pro Bowl in 1956 as well for the Chicago Bears. And um, yeah, that is the story of uh, Ed Brown, who holds the all-time record for career yards per completion. And uh, it's not even close. No active quarterback is even close. 16.4 is high. I'll give you some of the other names in this list. Second place, Sid Lockman from the 1940s. Otto Graham, third place, the great Otto Graham. Then we've got a guy called Cotton Davidson, great name. Norm Van Brocklin's in there. Earl Morrill, who I'd also spoken about. Then there's Eddie LeBaron. I think either, did you not have a random stat about him once? Then there's Daryl LaMonica. Some great names here. But nobody, nobody. In, in active is even close. Jameis Winston has to say the top ranked 12.6 yards per completion in his career. And that's my random stat. I like that one. That's from proper left field. But at the same time, it's a really interesting one because, you know, it, it, it just shows the, the difference in how the game has developed as well. That's, you know, the highest one currently is Jameis Winston. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think many folk could have guessed that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking up some things right now. Mitch Trubisky, ten point five yards per completion. Oh, why, uh, why are you having to go, Mitch? <laughs> why are you having to go, go, Mitch? 
point. I mean, it just pointed out that Jared Goff is eleven point five. So you know that it's <laughs> that, that, that's the kind of d- difference right there. But yeah, um, I, th- I think the whole the whole my whole theory that I was working to puts is put out the window when Jimmy G comes in at second. It's it's yeah. So also, <laughs> if you look at the stat that everyone knows, what is yards per attempt? Deshaun, yes. Deshaun Watson is third all time tied with Jimmy Garoppolo, eight point three. A third active. I uh, know all time. Wow. Otto Graham uh, has the highest nine yards per attempt. Nine yards per attempt. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. That reminds me, I, I, I can't remember what year it was when Peyton Manning, I think it was one of his years with the Colts. Was it 2004? Um, when he threw his uh, fifth. 50 touchdowns was that his 2004 season and I think it was that one I don't think it was the 2013 season I think it was 2004 season where he threw a touchdown every eight passes in that year or something it was it was some ridiculous stat like, like every eight attempts he was throwing a touchdown pass um mm-hmm. Otto Graham every time he attempted a pass he was averaging nine yards per attempt that's ridiculous Sid Luckman Second, then you've got Deshaun Watson and Jim Garoppolo tied. Patrick Mahomes is sixth behind Norm Van Brocklin again. This guy keeps popping up, doesn't he? Then you've got Hall of Famer Steve Young and Kurt Warner. Tony Romo, Ed Brown, he's there again, 7.9, tied for eighth. So, yeah, I, I love these stats. I love these stats, especially when you find someone from, you know, years gone by and they just, they look out of place. But in this case, with the yards per completion, it's the modern-day guys who are out of place. They're nowhere near the top of that list. As I say, mm-hmm. James Winston, what did I say? It was tied for 58. Yeah. So. That's, yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's a random stats. We do enjoy that. So, Dave, that is the end of our show. My goodness. We made it through another one. Um, we're still here. So this weekend, uh, I'll be going down to London. Um, I'll Good. be at Wembley Stadium. I'm actually heading down on the Saturday morning to see if we can catch some of the some of the action in and around the city. And then uh, we've got the game at Wembley, and then I'm coming back, flying back up to Inverness on the Monday. And then back home, so on the Monday night. So looking forward to that. Should be good if anyone's out and about. Uh, feel free to say hello. You can catch us on Twitter. You can catch myself, Dave, and Drake on Twitter. And of course, get us at the Win FL Show as well. Um, it's been a pleasure, Dave, as always. My pleasure as always, buddy. Yeah, and uh, we'll catch you on next week's edition of the Win FL Show. <laughs>